Greetings and welcome to Digging Deeper with Kenneth Frank, where we uncover hidden gems of understanding in the Word of God. Did you know Paul warned Christians that if they fell short of God's grace, they may develop a root of bitterness that defiles them? God is merciful and forgiving. However, His grace must not be trifled with. Those who fail in God's grace are in danger of developing bitterness like a deep-seated root of a tree or a plant. Paul illustrated it by the patriarch Esau. This Digging Deeper examines Paul's statement from one of his epistles, considering its context and cross-reference to an Old Testament illustration of failure. Our focus verse is, quote, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. End of quote. Hebrews twelve fifteen. King James Version throughout. It should be noted that this verse contains words used for the last time in the King James Version. Fail, bitterness, springing, and trouble. This verse warns of apostasy's consequences. Subheading, In Danger of Bitterness Paul wrote his epistle to the Hebrews to dissuade Jewish Christians from backsliding to first-century Judaism because of persecution from unbelievers. Judaism was a legal religion in the Roman Empire. Christianity was not. Some brethren were even in danger of becoming bitter against God because of their suffering. Paul warns them that becoming bitter could cause them to repeat the mistake of Esau. Some expositors suggest Paul wrote this epistle to the churches of God located in the city of Rome. If that was the case, R.C.H. Lenski, in his commentary on the New Testament, paints a scenario. Quote, We may say that the danger was the greater because the readers were a compact body, all of them Jewish Christians, all worshiping in their old synagogues in Rome which had now become Christian churches. By returning to Judaism, some influential former rabbi among them might draw a large number with him. In fact, as these synagogues had become Christian, so they might again become Jewish. End of quote. In Hebrews 12.15, Paul likely restated an Old Testament verse, quote, Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. End of quote. Deuteronomy twenty nine eighteen. The ESV Study Bible explains the meaning of Paul's statement. Quote, The author warns against bitterness by alluding to Deuteronomy 29.18, which describes one who turns away from God and pursues other gods. A bitter and resentful person is like a contagious poison spreading his resentment to others. End of quote. Joseph S. Excel, in his Biblical Illustrator, 
explains the difficulty of removing such a root of bitterness. Quote, Though you may be able to destroy the fruit and cut down the branches, the root may be beyond your reach. Though the branches be lopped off and the stem cut down close by the ground, yet the root left in the soil will keep its hold and send up another stem and spread out other branches. So with this sin. End of quote. This verse from Deuteronomy was noted for another New Testament illustration, as explained by Ellicott's commentary for English readers. Quote, In Acts 8.23, St. Peter makes reference to the same chapter of Deuteronomy, as he speaks to Simon Magus, who above all other men proved a root of bitter poison in the early church. End of quote. One of my previous Digging Deeper articles, entitled The Gall of Bitterness, explained this confrontation between Peter and Simon Magus. Subheading, The Sin of Esau. In Hebrews 12, 16 and 17, Paul illustrated his case with an Old Testament personage, the bitter end of the Old Testament patriarch Esau. The New King James Study Bible explains, quote, Under the law, the eldest son would receive a double inheritance. See Deuteronomy 21, 17. Esau lost his inheritance, which included God's gracious promises by despising it and valuing the pleasure of food over it. Genesis 25, 34, end of quote. Paul Kretzmann extends this further in his popular commentary on the Bible. Quote, That was the sin of Esau, who considered the right of the firstborn, though it included the fact that the firstborn was also the bearer of the Messianic blessing, so lightly that he sold his birthright for a single meal, for a mess of pottage, Genesis 25, 29-34. His case illustrates the danger of missed or rejected opportunities. For when Esau afterwards made an attempt to get the blessing of the firstborn for himself, he did not succeed, Genesis 27, 30-40, end of quote. Subheading, Lessons for Christian Living. With this context, now we may extract valuable lessons from this passage for Christian living. Daniel Whedon's commentary on the Old and New Testaments derives significant meaning from the words, looking diligently. Quote, the Greek might be rendered episcopizing, the word from which bishop or overseer is derived. Every Christian should be bishop in this respect watching for the purity of the church, end of quote. Not only should Christians be concerned with the state of their spiritual health, but also that of their congregation, since their lives impacted. Daniel Whedon's commentary on Old and New Testaments then explains root of bitterness, quote, not a principle or an event, but a person who springs up like a poisonous plant in a garden, and whose noxious quality is contagious. So Christ is beautifully called the Root of David. And in the Apocrypha, Antiochus Epiphanes is called a sinful root. But the allusion here is to Deuteronomy 29.18, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. End of quote. Based on this, 
The root of bitterness can be an individual who, like Esau, negatively impacts a congregation because he now had to live with the consequences of despising his birthright. Sins can be forgiven upon deep repentance, but consequences may remain. We may wonder how this could happen today. William Barclay, in his Daily Study Bible, explains how some Christians consider it too restrictive to obey Christian principles. Quote, There are always those who think the Christian standards unnecessarily strict and punctitious. There are always those who do not see why they should not accept the world's standard of life and conduct. This was especially so in the early church. It was a little island of Christianity surrounded by a sea of paganism. Its members were, at the most, only one generation away from heathenism. It was easy to relapse into the old standards. This was a warning against the infection of the world, sometimes deliberately, sometimes unconsciously, spread within the Christian society. End of quote. David Guzik, in his Enduring Word Commentary, illustrates one way that bitterness can take root in a Christian. Quote, Many are corrupted because of bitterness towards someone they feel has wronged them, and they hold on to the bitterness with amazing stubbornness. What they must do is remember the grace of God extended to them and start extending that grace towards others, loving the undeserving. End of quote. Esau believed his brother Jacob had wronged him by stealing his birthright. Esau actually despised it for a mere bowl of pottage. Subheading, put away bitterness. Bitterness is a characteristic of the ungodly, so a Christian must never rationalize it as righteous indignation. Quote, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. End of quote. Romans 3, 13 and 14. James warns against it as well. Quote, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. End of quote. James 3, 14 and 15. Paul provides the antidote. Quote, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. End of quote. Ephesians four thirty-one to 32 Hebrews twelve fifteen insists that Christians must look diligently into their spiritual state as Albert Barnes explains in his Notes on the Bible. Quote, This phrase implies close attention. It is implied that there are reasons why we should take special care. Those reasons are found in the propensities of our hearts to evil, in the temptations of the world, in the allurements to apostasy presented by the great adversary of our souls. End of quote. Christians have much to avoid while living in this world of sin. William Barclay, in his Daily Study Bible, offers a final warning about the root of bitterness. Quote, We do well to remember 
that there is a certain finality in life. If, like Esau, we take the way of this world and make bodily things our final good, if we choose the pleasures of time in preference to the joys of eternity, God can and will still forgive, but something has happened that can never be undone. There are certain things in which a man cannot change his mind, but must abide forever by the choice he has made. End of quote. This has been Digging Deeper with Kenneth Frank. To learn more about the Bible and living a godly life, go to Living Education at lcgeducation.org, sponsored by The Living Church of God. Music